I'm excited this morning to kick off a brand new series entitled Imperfect Together. Imperfect Together. And, and here's the truth, everybody. Life is messy. Relationships are difficult. I mean, do you have anybody in your life that's difficult to love? Anybody in the room? Rhetorical question. We all do. I believe this. In the middle of our messiness and in the middle of our issues, that God has a unique way of taking us right where we are and using us in the middle of our brokenness. You know, oftentimes I think that when we come to God, we feel like we've got to get everything right before we come to God. Oftentimes before we show up to church, we kind of wait till our life is a little bit put together so people feel like we're okay. And, and so often we, we have this misconception about God that he's looking for pe- perfect people to do his work. And if you look all throughout the Bible, he has a specialty in using broken people. I don't know about you, that makes me feel good this morning. I love this quote by Craig Rochelle. He says this, he says, we might impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Let me say it again. I love love it because it's setting the framework for where we're going this morning. He says, we might impress people, and we often try to do this with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. A couple months ago, my mom sent me a video And I connected to YouTube, and I don't know how you are when you jump on YouTube, but oftentimes one video leads to a second video. And before I realize it, 30 minutes have gone by, and I've watched just mindless entertainment. Anybody else in the room with me? Okay, the rest of you are lying, all right? I know. We've done this before, right? And and so I, I did this on this particular day. I was watching video after video, and this was a different kind of video. She said, she sent me... Uh, this lady, this doctor said, you're going to love this. And she sent me the, the, the doctor. Her name is Sandra Lee. Dr. Sandra Lee. Now, now, to some of you, that might not mean anything. But this is a unique doctor, everybody. This doctor is gifted. She's talented. She's got this passion. But she's got this, like, disgusting sickness as well. Dr. Sandra Lee is better known as Dr. Pimple Popper. Uh, let me tell you, if you've never seen it, don't let the first video be during lunch, all right? Because when you watch Dr. Pimple Popper, everything that's on your inside feels like it should be on your outside. And I was watching Dr. Sandra Lee. She's amazing and disgusting, and she just, she lulls you in, and you're like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life watching her take pimples out of people. And she just, she's a dermatologist, and she removes these giant cysts. I'm not going to say any more about that. Go watch the video, all right? (laughs) But I was watching this one particular video. She's interviewing this lady, and she's interviewing her for quite a while to the point that I started to feel like, well, what's the issue? Because as I was watching this lady being interviewed, she, she was beautiful. And it looked like, man, there was nothing wrong with her. And I'm thinking, man, what is the story? And she's talking about how, man, all her adult life, like she's had to, to live guarded and, and, and hiding things that were unsightly and just afraid to go out in public and wear certain kinds of clothes and just lived with this and it's consumed her. And at one point during the interview, this lady, she reaches her hand up and she pulls back her hair. And when she does, right on her shoulder, everybody, was the cyst the size of a tennis ball. I kid you not. Like as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh my goodness, man. I mean, it was disgusting. And, uh, and I kept watching though. Of course you keep watching. And, and 
Dr. Pimple Popper does what only she can do. She removes this giant cyst and she sews it up. And this lady goes and she's got this like newfound view and perspective on life. I've got freedom. And the question that went through my mind after the video ended was, why did you wait so long to find the doctor? You, you've gone for years like this? I mean, I don't know if it was a financial thing, an issue. You, you just felt like you couldn't talk to anybody. But you've lived with this for years, and somebody could have taken care of it like that. And today, I, I'm not too worried about your cyst, all right? But I wonder. I wonder, what have you walked around with inside your heart for far too long? I think so many of us, we try to hide the hurts than deal with the hurts. We, we, we try to play perfect to everybody in our world. And yet deep inside, there's something that's so scarred and so wounded that if we'd ever be vulnerable enough and open enough to actually reveal it, God could start to do a work that only he could do. And I want to spend a few moments talking about this morning, this idea of better together. I want to look at a passage of scripture to set this up. If you've got notes or you want to follow along on the screen, you can do that. But I love this text that sets the stage for where we're going over the next several weeks. And I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be here. I want to challenge you to invite somebody here because we're going to talk about stuff that will connect with people's lives and bring healing, I believe, in our lives. Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's talking to them about a conversation that he's having with God. If you know anything about Paul, Paul was a jacked up dude. He's messed up, but amazingly, God used him in the middle of his brokenness, turned his life completely around. And I think Paul at times in scripture is wrestling with God. How could you even use me? I mean, when you know everything about me, and I think if I'm honest, I'm like, God, how could you use me? You know, you know my issues. And, and that was a little loud amen about my issues. All right, but that's all right. No, I'm good. We, we all have them. We all have them and we've all got brokenness. And Paul's talking about how God uses our weakness. And he, sa- he says, here, here's what God said to me. He says, my grace is all you need. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. My grace is all you need. My power works best. And everybody say the word weakness. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. For the next few weeks, I want to I focus on one word. It's a word that if, if you were going to summarize the entire Bible, all 66 books, I think this word would probably accurately describe what the whole Bible is about. And, and it's a word that we struggle with a lot. And we're going to talk about it during this series and Perfect Together. It's the word relationship relationship. Think about it for a minute. You go to the very beginning in Genesis, the whole reason that God created man was for one thing. It was for a relationship. You jump 37 books, letter, an amazing thing happens. This woman, this virgin lady gets pregnant. She conceives a child. She gives birth to the Savior of the world. Jesus shows up. And Jesus' sole mission for coming to earth was to redeem the relationship with us that had been broken. And then Jesus leaves the earth, but he doesn't leave us alone. As he's leaving the earth, he says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending one that's going to be with you, the Holy Spirit. 
And the whole reason for the Holy Spirit, everybody, is relationship. It's so that when I wake up on Monday morning to start my week, I know that while I can't see God, I know I'm not alone. And his power and his strength are with me and in me. And no, no matter what I deal with or what I go through, the presence of God is with me everywhere I go. He's omnipresent. It's, it's relationship. You get to the end of the book, and we know how it ends. Jesus is going to return, and, and, and he's going to rule and reign. And the whole reason for that is relationship. It's all about relationship. And, and today I want to focus on one word when it comes to our relationships. Because I think relationships are difficult, everybody. And I think this one word, as I say it, you're going to picture different things. I, I think our society and culture has really diluted and caused us to have a poor idea of what this word means. And it's the word intimacy. Intimacy. And before I go any further, let me just go ahead and make a confession to you. When it comes to intimacy, I'm not acing this course. As a matter of fact, when it comes to intimacy, I'm doing my best just to get a passing grade, all right? But I believe God's word wants to speak and, and change us today as it relates to intimacy. The, the truth is, is I, I struggle with this. And oftentimes when Jen has issues and she comes to me, her, her mode of operation is let's talk about it. And my mode is let's fix it. Let's talk about it. Let's fix it. She comes to me and she wants a hug and I'm like, how can I help? All right, you know, what, what do you need? Don't elbow anybody during this message, all right? Just keep your eyes right here. But, but, but I struggle with this. Here's, here's what intimacy is, everybody. It's a bond, if you're taking notes, it's a bond or connection that you have with another person that makes you feel safe and secure. The truth is, when you think about our lives, you even look at babies. You can give a baby nourishment and all the food and all the warmth warmth and, and shelter that a baby needs, but a baby without intimacy will, will never grow into true maturity. It, it's proven, they studied it. As a matter of fact, a, a baby without intimacy will never develop the same kind of confidence that, that a child will that is nurtured and loved and cared for. They, they even develop learning disabilities because of the lack of intimacy in their life. But here's the deal, it doesn't just apply to babies, it, it applies to adults too. And I think so often we struggle with intimacy. I, I believe there's three big reasons why. One is pride, two is, is our past, and three, it's, it's probably the pain that we're dealing with. You know, you know, it's interesting, I've heard so many times, especially when I'm talking maybe to a lady and their relationship is broken and she'll say something like, man, you know, I just, I can't get my husband to counseling or I can't get my spouse to church. They just don't want to come. And, and you know what? I was actually in that season. We were going through a difficult time in our marriage where I felt like, you know what? I don't, why do we need counseling? We know what's going on. We had good parents and, and our pride keeps us from things that can grow us. Let me ask you today. Why wouldn't you want to make a one-hour investment of time and resources in the relationship and in the person that loves you more than anybody else in this life? It's not even rational. Think about this. But what happens is your spouse comes to you and goes, hey, can we go to counseling? Our first response is, what's wrong with me? Am I not good enough? Am I not doing a good job? 
Come on, let's just go ahead and get it all on the table right here. Let's, you know, get the boxing gloves and let's go. Because we are so prideful, or maybe you've tried it before. You know what? I went to church twice and it didn't work, all right? And, and you, you, you just got these misconceptions and ideas that you've done it your way and that's the only way. And it's robbing us of the true intimacy that can bring healing and restoration in our relationships. And here are the two big dangers, everybody, when we, when we try a different way than God's way. Number one, we search for a quick fix. We search for a quick fix. When people let us down, we find something to fill the hurt. And right now you're thinking about that thing. Because when it feels like God has failed you and it, when it feels like your spouse has failed you or somebody's failed you, you find something in this life to be your friend. What is that thing? Is it entertainment? Is it a secret sin? An addiction? A lie? Something that fills the void and causes you to experience some type of escape from the true intimacy that God wants for you. The second thing is this, is oftentimes we believe that we're better off alone. We believe we're better off alone. And I want God to just help us reshape our mind this morning. Because here's the deal, everybody. We live in a world that isn't pushing us towards true intimacy. We live in a world that's pushing us towards isolation. Think about it for a second. I mean, we feel like we're so connected to people on social media, but the truth is it's, it's a type of connection without true intimacy. And then you just think about your phones for a second, all the apps that we have on our phone. I mean, we've got apps that allow us to just work remote, to, to do remote meetings. We don't need to be in the same room with people. I mean, we, we've got apps that'll connect us. And man, we'll, we'll even find a, a significant other via our cell phone. We've got apps now, everybody, that'll let us go grocery shopping on our cell phone. Have you discovered this like I've discovered it? All during the holidays, Jen was away and she said, Wes, I need you to go get a few things at the grocery store. And I had some extra time and I said, I mean, I've, I've been hearing about people doing this grocery app, this Walmart grocery app. And I thought, man, I got to give this a try. And so I placed my order. I set my time to go pick up. And I'll tell you something happened, everybody, as I drove into the Walmart parking lot, as I was making my way toward the pickup, I saw somebody making their way toward me. And I thought for a moment, this has got to be heaven on earth. And I tell you, this first experience was so incredible. I showed up, I parked, he was right there. He helped me load in. I was in and out of that parking lot in three minutes. And I had this feeling, this thought go through my mind like, dear Lord Jesus, I'm not ever gonna have to go in Walmart again. I mean, this is, is, thank you, God. I immediately called you and I said, babe, I have found something that is going to change your life. I can't wait. As a matter of fact, I had her make the next grocery order. And I said, Jen, now I want you to place the order. But when you get to Walmart, I want you to call me because I want to hear the emotion and the the things you're feeling. Now, some of you have taken it a step further. You got the groceries actually showing up at your house now. You know what I'm saying? You're like, Wes, you're 2018. Come on, get with the program. It's 2019. But we live in a world that's pushing us towards isolation. But let's look at the creation story for a second. Genesis chapter 2. God looks at man, and the first thing that he noticed, he says this. He says, the Lord God said, 
It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You know, my first response to that is, well, God, why not? Because honestly, I kind of like being alone sometimes. I feel like I can get more work done sometimes if I'm alone. So, sometimes I, you know, just feel like, man, I, I just need some space. I need some quiet. I, 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 can, I can handle myself. But God looks down and he says, man, this, this is not good. And it's amazing what happens next. He reaches down into the dust of the earth. And in verse 19, he creates animals. He creates animals and he creates the birds of the sky. But he recognizes after he creates them as beautiful and as amazing they are, he, he recognizes that's not good enough. That I, I need something else. And in verse 20, look, it says, still there was no companion for him. I love what happens next. God puts Adam into a deep sleep. And in the middle of the night, he, he pulls a rib from Adam's body. And through that breathes life into a Can you just imagine that breathes life into a woman? Can you imagine what it had been like for Adam the next morning when he woke up just kind of dazed and confused? He stands to his feet. He looks out. And he says, wow, look at those thumbs. Okay, maybe he didn't look at her thumbs first. I'm not sure what he looked at, but you, you can interpret that all right. It actually says this in verse 23. He says, at last, the man exclaimed, my love has come along. My lonely days are over and life is like a song. Everybody, we need to understand this. Freedom happens through intimacy. You can try to go at it alone all you want to, but true freedom happens through intimacy. I want to give you three thoughts about intimacy this morning, but, but, but let me make sure you understand. Because we live in a culture that we've equated intimacy to good sex. That's the furthest thing I'm talking about today. Let's, let's bring our minds back to, to God's way. And, and while I'm talking about marriages, I'm talking about the relationship that you have with the students that you teach every single day. I'm talking about the relationship you have with the coworker in the next cubicle or, or the kids that you want to get rid of this week. Every relationship in our life we're better together, better together. Let me give you three thoughts about true intimacy that can change our lives. Number one, we have to make a decision that we're going to live and walk in covenant. Live and walk in covenant. Look what Genesis 2, 24 says. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This whole passage, this whole text that even Jesus talks about in Matthew again in the New Testament, it's a picture of covenant. It's a picture that says, for better or worse, till death do us part. You know, any marriage, you go to a ceremony and you see the, the couple at the altar and they make this declaration that I commit my life to you, no matter what we go through in sickness and in health, for better or worse, till death do us part. 
Can you imagine attending a wedding where a man and a woman stood before their friends and family and the woman said, I will be with you no matter what unless you stop making great money. And then he turned to her and he said, babe, I will be with you no matter what as long as you don't gain weight. Listen, that would be the point that you grab your gift and you walk out the back because you know that marriage ain't making it, right? But we live in a world, everybody, that we haven't built our relationships on covenant. We've based them on convenience. What feels good? What works out for me? Well, you're driving me crazy? Well, get out. Well, you're not doing it like you used to? Get out. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I can't handle being with you. We, we live in this convenient culture. I know we do. I do. It's why we drive to a fast food restaurant and we get in line. And after three minutes of waiting in that line, you say, I'm sick of this. We just drive to the next fast food restaurant where we wait longer. Because we live in a world that we're, we're so bound up with what's good for me that we haven't laid our life down for the people around us. And we make it a says, you know what? I'm in covenant with you. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're going to do life together through good, bad, and ugly. We're going to work through it, and we're going to be stronger in Jesus' name. We make that decision today, amen? We live in covenant. Number two is this. We repair ruptures. We repair ruptures. It's one of the greatest keys to intimacy. It was a few years ago, a few people in our church, they, they invited me to be a part of this race up in Brooksville it was called the Mud Endeavor. I'd never done anything like this. It was a 5K with all these obstacle courses. And I'll never forget, it was November 1st and just happened to be freezing cold that night on a Saturday night. And the first obstacle had us dive into water where you're just sludging through this mud, waist-high water. And it was at that moment that I thought, dear Lord Jesus, what in the world am I doing right now? Like, what are those loving people from my church? What have they pulled me into? And we got through that race about halfway through, and there was a guy behind us that's in our church, great guy named Brian, and we, we reached the monkey bars, and as we were making our way across the monkey bars, I heard the sound of Brian hitting the ground. And I didn't know what happened at that moment, but Brian was right behind me, and as Brian was making his way across the monkey bars, he reached out with one arm to grab the next bar. And as he did, he either hit the bar and slipped or his hand didn't actually hit the bar. And when he came back, all his weight came down on his arm again. And you know how this muscle right here is supposed to be attached to this joint right here? Well, when Brian came down, those two things were no longer attached. Well, Brian's a beast and Brian's, Brian's bicep completely detached from his elbow joint, and he managed to finish that mud endeavor that night. And I don't know how he did it, but he, but he did it, and he, he, re, he was researching, and I think he was just pr- kind of all shook up what was going on with his body and what he needed to do next. I remember waking up for church that morning as sore as I could be, and I had an email from Brian. He said, Pastor, I think I've... I've completely ripped my my bicep muscle. I don't think I'm going to be at church this morning. To which I responded, Brian, God gave his life for you. You're going to let a little bicep tear keep you from coming to church? 
I mean, Brian, come on, man up, man. No, I didn't say that. But I thought about it. <laughs> Within two days, though, Brian, Brian did the best thing for his arm. He went and had surgery, and they reattached that muscle to that joint. And you can go out and feel his arm today. It's, it's nice and strong again. But if he would have left that, that muscle all to itself to heal on its own, it would have eventually just shriveled up and died. And died. Here, here's what I want to ask today. Why, why then, when our relationships rupture, do we believe the lie that they'll just heal themselves? We, we follow the mode of operation. Well, you know what? I'm just going to give it some time. Eventually, uh, you know, it's all going to work itself out. Well, when they're the one that started it, so when they make the first move, then I'll come back and do the right thing. And we fall victim to the lie that, you know what? I'll just give it time and things will heal itself. No, we got to be willing to take the first step and repair ruptures. Look, look what happens, everybody. In Genesis 3, 12, it says this. The man said, look what Look what happens after, after they eat the fruit. Adam says, God, the woman you put here with me, she made me do it. It's her. Isn't it amazing what happens in 15 verses? He goes from at last I've fallen in love to it's her fault. It's no God. You, you made her, not, not me. You did it. And that's the way we do in our relationship. We play the blame game. We put the the blame on other people and expect them to, to do all the healing work when God wants us to take the first step. And, and, and maybe today your, your relationship is on fire. You know, your marriage is white hot. Things are going great. You see eye to eye on everything. I mean, it's just, just smoking hot right now. You've been married a month. <laughs> Give it some time. For some of us, though, we've gone through some life and the situation in our jobs and the pressures of life and kids and kids have caused ruptures and tears. You know, one author said this, kids, a ch- a kids are like a grenade. When you have a baby, you set off an explosion in your marriage. Some of you could really amen that this morning. She also says this, when your, child, when your children are teenagers, it's important to have a dog so that someone in the house is happy to see you. There's some teenage parents of teenagers in the room. <laughs> so we're like, hey, let's go to the pet store today. That's, that's where we're headed. Look what Romans 12 says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on who? What if we all live by this principle right here? As far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. I I love Paul's writing in Ephesians 4. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Be gentle, love people, be selfless. I, I love one post I saw on social media. It said this, just treat others the way Chick-fil-A treats you. Is that simple? That's it. My pleasure. How can I help you? Another sweet tea? Yeah. Man, 
Take the first step. Take the first step. Repair the rupture. Number three is this. We'll head home today. Be vulnerable. We might impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. I love Genesis 2.25. It says this. Could there be anything more vulnerable? Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. There was such freedom in the Garden of Eden. They weren't inhibited by life circumstances, pain until sin happened. Man, there was, there was this openness. You know, we first moved to New Tampa to start Bay Chapel. Our boys were really young. And uh, I remember there's so many special moments and things I remember when the boys were one and two and two and three. But one thing I, I remember about my boys is every time we'd get home, not every time, but, but sometimes when we would get home, park our car outside and walk through the garage. And the first room right there, probably like your house, was the laundry room. They would, they both say, first thing they say when they got in the house, I want to get naked. And my boys would shed their clothes and they would make their way through the house and run in the backyard. We had a fence. And it was just kind of fun watching my boys running around butt naked in the backyard. Thank God they don't do that anymore. All right. There's just something so innocent about it. Let me ask you today, what hurt and wound has happened in your life that has caused you to claim up and put a wall up from your wife, your husband, your brother, and your sister? You say, Wes, vulnerable is the last kind of person I'd ever be. If you knew what I'd walk through, you'd know there's no way I could ever open up. As a matter of fact, I figured out a way to live where I just keep my sin and my issues to myself and I'm not hurting anybody else and everything's okay. But deep down, you know there's pain. There's hurt. But today I believe this. If you'd be willing to take a step and say, I'm, I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to talk to somebody. I'm willing to be intimate again share my hurts. I believe on the backside of that, there is freedom. I'm telling you, there is freedom like you've never known. Will email work? Probably not. Will, it, will a text message work? I don't know that I would recommend it. While you're watching TV? It depends. If it's a great game with a lot of lead changes and a lot of action and drama, it probably will. If it's The Bachelor, absolutely not. Let me encourage you this. Find somebody you need to talk to and share your weaknesses. That's what this whole series is about. Imperfect together. I love what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians. We wrap this up. He says, for when I am weak, then... I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. 
In my weakness, he is made strong. That's why I encourage you with everything I am today. Download, download the app and check out the groups that are starting this week. Find a Bible study. It might be way out of your comfort zone. Find a group, find a team and start serving. Not just so you can go through the motions or check a box or just say you're doing more for God. So you can find community that has the power to reshape the direction and course of your life. Listen, they might not be your best friends in the world. That's why we do them in semesters. So after 10 weeks, you can go, man, I'm out of here. That was interesting. Find somebody to do life with. Some of you this week, you need to make a decision. You're gonna call your sister and you're gonna go for a walk and you're gonna talk through some stuff. Some of you are gonna take your kids out because it's been the first time in a long time and you're gonna share a meal together where you're looking eye to eye and not eye to iPad and talk about life and be intimate with your kids and be intimate with your spouse and love somebody who doesn't feel loved this week. And I believe this through this, God will shape and reshape our hearts and cause us to be more like him, amen? Would you just bow your heads as we close today?